welcome to everyone. I, if there's any first-time guests, I'm not seeing you offhand, but welcome those of you that are joining us online. Uh, we welcome you as well as a part of this service this evening. Um, want to just take another moment, and I realize some of you weren't here, and a lot of people were here that aren't here tonight, but say thanks again for the uh, appreciation and the honor that was shown Sunday night for our 30th anniversary. Uh, I just finally wrapped my brain around being 50 years old, and now I'm having to wrap my brain around 30 years of marriage. I just, that's seems really crazy. <laughs> um, but thank you. Uh, there was some wonderful cards, um, a couple of cards from some folks that are a part of the congregation that have been around a long time, and uh, a couple of cards for some, from some people out of state, even out of country, that are very dear to my wife and I, and uh, that, that meant a whole lot. And uh, then if, if you're wondering, maybe, why, why did we give you a mailbox? Well, if you've ever been in our neighborhood and seen our mailbox, you'd understand. We have about the saddest looking mailbox in the neighborhood. Everybody has theirs on these nice posts and whatever, and ours is on this little green metal stake. And uh, so... We are very appreciative, and also a very important point, not sure if he's watching tonight or not, but uh, Brother Daniel Branham actually made the post and all of that, so it wasn't uh, just your typical store-bought uh, deal, and that, that means a whole lot. So thank you, and um, also, you know, side note, uh, if you'll, um, you'll go ahead and switch me on I'll just give you a little bit of an update here I didn't mean switch me on up there I didn't make sure I, I thought I ah, yeah there we go so y'all all voted y'all voted for a Maryland flag full color so it's in the works much to my much to my wife's dismay, I think. But praise God. Why don't you stand? Amen. Isaiah chapter forty, and begin with verse number one. Isaiah forty and verse number one. Word of the Lord through the prophet Isaiah says, Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she hath received the Lord's hand, she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. 
Every valley shall be exalted and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked places and the crooked shall be made straight and the rough places plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. Father, thank you for the privilege of being in your presence this evening. Thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to fellowship with you, to fellowship with brothers and sisters tonight. I pray, Father, that you would minister to us, speak to us tonight, Lord. Lord, we want to continue to grow, develop, mature in you for our place, our purpose in your kingdom that your purpose might be fulfilled, that your promises might be fulfilled in us and through us. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I want to talk to you this evening. Are you preparing or are you impeding? Are you preparing Or are you impeding? The Amplified says, verse number 3, this way, A voice of one who cries, Prepare in the wilderness the way of the Lord. Clear away the obstacles. Make straight and smooth in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted and filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked and uneven shall be made straight and level, and the rough places a plain. In Matthew chapter 3, we find reference to Isaiah's words, and it says this in verse 3, For this is, the, is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. The Living Bible says the last part of that verse this way, Prepare a road for the Lord. Straighten out the path where he will walk. The Message Bible says, Prepare for God's arrival. Make the road smooth and straight. And then back to Isaiah's prophecy, the Living Bible says it this way Listen, I hear the voice of someone shouting, Make a road for the Lord through the wilderness. Make him a straight, smooth road through the desert. Fill the valleys, level the hills, straighten out the crooked paths, and smooth off the rough spots in the road. John's ministry, John's purpose, John's calling was to prepare the way of the Lord. That was was it. (laughs) That was his purpose. That was his focus. Everything he was doing, everything he was preaching was leading to and was actually in the process of preparing the way of the Lord. 
Can I tell you tonight that I believe every single believer has the same ministry as John the Baptist? That every single one of us are called to help prepare the way of the Lord. I realize John did something literally in the natural realm as he was preparing the way for the coming of the Messiah. But I think there is a spiritual principle that we need to follow from John's example. Everything John was focused on, everything John was doing, was about preparing the way of the Lord. It was about getting people connected to Jesus. It's interesting, and I realize there's, there's natural literal parts to this, but again, I think there are some spiritual parts to it as well. It says that that there is to be a way prepared in the wilderness. In the wilderness. Not a way prepared in the most uh, preferential of places. Not Not a way prepared in the most convenient of places. It's it's in a wilderness where John was preparing the way. And, and I, I believe we can take the, the symbolism of that and, and, and the fact that many times people, and I'm not here tonight just talking about unsaved people, people often are in a wilderness and you and I are called to prepare the way of the Lord in their lives. I, I want you to notice, I, I've, I've heard these verses as have many of you all my life. The, the King James, again, it says, um, verse number 4 in Isaiah, Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain. It almost, you could almost, to me, you could almost read that verse as if there's just going to be this magic wand that is waved. And when that magic wand gets waved, the, the valleys will be exalted, the mountains will be made low, the crooked places will, will suddenly be made straight, and the rough places will be taken care of. But if you really study out this verse, I, I believe that the way the Living Bible says it is, is pretty, pretty on point. Fill the valleys. Level the hills. Straighten out the crooked paths. And smooth off the rough spots in the road. Meaning this, this, this prophecy is not something that God is going to miraculously do. But the the leveling of the valleys, the lowering of the mountains, the straightening out of the crooked roads, is actually the responsibility of you and I as the ones who are preparing the way of the Lord. Meaning, we do our part. We take responsibility for for trying to eliminate every single obstacle of people getting to Jesus. 
of Jesus getting to people. Not him just suddenly, again, mysteriously fixing every challenge and obstacle, but you and I taking a responsibility of preparing the way of the Lord, of, of, of doing our part. That's why, and again, I, I feel like for various reasons, there's so many things you have to qualify today and Maybe it's just the devil, but nevertheless. Everything we do is not about what we do here. But I, but I want to remind you, and, and those of you that meet in other locations on Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, I, I want to remind you that the, the, the big part of what we're doing is we are trying to prepare the way of the Lord. That's why, again, as, as, as those of us that are born again, those of us that have been filled with the Spirit of God, to come and sit in a, in a setting like this or some other kind of gathering and be unplugged and disconnected is such a disservice. It's a disservice to yourself. But if nothing else, it's a disservice to somebody else that needs the way prepared. They, they need the atmosphere created. They, they, need the, they, they, they need the spirit working and flowing. And it's not on the visitor to create that. It's not on the guest to walk in here and create an atmosphere of praise and worship so that God can respond. That's on you and I to prepare the way of the Lord. It's all about getting... Getting, get, getting in the mindset, getting in the flow, getting in the right place so that, that the way of the Lord is made so that God can step in and do what only God can do. The Bible tells the story of the Queen of Sheba coming to visit Solomon. She had heard, of all, she had heard all these great reports of, of, of Solomon's and, and his... And, and, and what he did, his wealth, and, and, and just all about him. And so she comes to see for herself. And the Bible says she was, she was very impressed by, by the, the excellence with which they did everything. She was very impressed about the way they went in, in the service of the Lord. They did everything first class. That's why I believe everything we do in the, in the kingdom and everything we do ministry-wise ought to be done first class to the best of our ability. But the thing that, that really is what got her, the Bible says she, she watched them as, as the way they went about their worship. I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but in essence... The Bible says there was no more spirit left in her. She just passed out from it all. But the thing, the ultimate thing that got her was not all of the 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 the, the, the natural things. It was it was the way they went about their worship. It was the presence of God. If I've heard it once, I've heard it a hundred times. I think. Uh, people that, that have visited, and maybe they've never come back again, but visited at least one time, of one visit, make the statement, I, I felt something here I've never felt any place else before. 
it's, it's about preparing the way. It's about trying to get things set so that Jesus can step in. But the problem is if we're not careful, we can do the opposite of preparing the way. We can make more crooked places. We can add more hills. We can, we can throw some, some obstacles in the roadway. I've said it before, and let me say it again tonight. By the grace of God, we will never change the way we worship to please visitors. We will never, we will never dial back our worship, our demonstrative worship, because we don't want to freak guests out. We, I, to the best of my ability, I will always preach what I believe God gives me in the way I feel to preach it. It's kind of funny because a couple of times, not exact same words, but a couple of times in just the last few months, people that I'm from fairly familiar have come from church settings where it's more that kind of modern day guy sits there on a stool and just talks. Never raises his voice, never really gets excited. I mean, that's the big thing these days if you don't know that. If you don't know that, don't worry about it. You're not missing anything. Of course, there's usually a pair of really tight jeans with holes in them that go along with that. And I, I've wondered sometimes, Brother Tommy, you know, I wonder, man, because I, I mean, I have a tendency to get a little loud, get a little. And at least three times I can think of in the last just several months. I've had some of those people that that's what they've been used to. Man, I, I love your energy. <laughs> your, 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 your excitement. I mean, I think there's some more theological words for what they're trying to say. So we're not, we're not going to change those things. But there are some things that we don't have to do that will unnecessarily scare somebody off. If people running the aisles and dancing and speaking in tongues scares people off, sorry. But if a group of people like a swarm of flies... Surrounding someone who is not prepared at all, not ready to make some kind of move, if that becomes an obstacle, it's on us. If our praise and our worship runs them off, sorry. If they're freaked out, by, oh, I can't help that. That's who we are. That's what we do. It's what we believe. But if me putting my hands all over your head and trying to get you to do something you're not ready for runs you off, that's not on them. We we need a fresh baptism of trusting the power of God. What I mean by that is, I think sometimes if we're not careful, we get into panic mode. 
that if we don't get it, if we if you don't get it all right now, you're never going to get it. You know what? I, I know some of you may not agree with me on this. Until God decides otherwise, I'm the pastor and you're not. But a person does not have to get the Holy Ghost the first time they walk into this sanctuary. Do you need the Holy Ghost? Absolutely. Do we believe that the evidence of the Holy Ghost is speaking in other tongues? You better believe it. Sometimes we're not preparing because when you prepare the way and let him do what he wants to do when he wants to do it, it's all going to work out all right. The problem is, is when we become a hindrance instead of a, of, of, of a, a blessing and a benefit. John realized my, my purpose here is I got to get people to Jesus. I, I got to get people in the presence of the Lord. I know I said it already tonight in worship of all the nights to make this point. The, the part of worship is first and foremost, really, it's about him. It's about what he gets from us. But as I said, there's also a flip side to our worship, and that is that's what's creating the atmosphere, and that's what's getting us into His presence. The Bible says He inhabits the praises of His people. I, I believe I've heard Brother uh, Howard, Franklin Howard, say in the, in, the, in the Portuguese Bible that it says something along the lines of that, that, that our praises creates a throne for Him to sit on. Our praise and our worship is preparation. It's no wonder why the enemy has tried so hard for years now. And I feel, I feel like, especially since COVID, he's tried to push praise and worship out. Ah, you don't need that. Of course you don't. If that's the way in which you get God's presence, if he inhabits your praise... Our praise is not simply a part of the program of a service. It is a part of the process by which we prepare the way of the Lord. We prepare the way for the presence of God to step in and then begin to do what God alone can do. Crooked places are going to be made straight. The, the valleys are going to be exalted. The hills are going to be made low. Not Again, not because a word is spoken to do that, but because somebody does the work. Somebody is being mindful. Somebody is being conscious. Somebody's being conscientious. What, what, what are the challenges? What are the things that might get in the way? That's also why when it comes to ministering to people, you got to be mindful. You're not trying to fix them. You're trying to prepare the way. What do I have to do to help you to, to get rid of the, the walls and, and the things that may be an obstacle to God stepping in and doing what God wants to do? They... Bible says in John 12 and verse 20, there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. The same came therefore to Philip, which was of Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. 
I don't know that every individual knows how to articulate that. I don't know if every individual knows that's, that's really what I'm looking for. But down inside, every heart, every soul knows I need to see Jesus. I, I, I need an encounter with Jesus. That's why I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it again, and I'm, I mean this sincerely. There are, there are men that I know, love, and respect that use, use the term I'm about to use and use it positively, agreement. I, I, I just I struggle with the term. That, that's the term, soul winners. I, I am I think I can say I am as competitive as anybody else in this room. I hate losing. If I'm playing a game, it's about winning. I hate to lose. And therefore I'm gonna do everything I can. To the best of my ability to win. I'm going to fight until the end. To win. Because when it's in the category of simply winning or losing, if you haven't won, then you've lost. So what happens when we get this mindset we are soul winners? We feel pressure got to win ultimately how have we won a soul what's what's the way we determine we've won a soul come on be like brother gross Grossbach here give me a little of course you never want to answer his questions he's like bishop what'd you say sister ellenberger isn't that how we win souls Get baptized, get the Holy Ghost. We've won a soul. How many parents we have here this evening? How many parents? How many parents walked into the nursery at the hospital after the kid was born and said, Well, got you in the world. See you later. No, absolutely not. That's why I've said it. We, we give them away, we're going to keep giving out baptism and Holy Ghost certificates. We're going to give them away. But we've got to remember, those are not diplomas. A baptism on a Holy Ghost certificate is not a diploma. It's a birth certificate. You just started. Nicodemus is mentioned... Three times that I know of in the book of John. Three times. The first time Nicodemus is mentioned, he meets Jesus at night, secretly. You know what? If some of us were Jesus, obviously somebody got word to Jesus that Nicodemus wanted to talk to him. There wasn't no DMing. Direct messaging for all you older folks. Wasn't none of that. Somebody 
somebody, some mutual acquaintance perhaps, Nicodemus told them and they went and told Jesus. Jesus, Nicodemus would like to meet with you. If we were Jesus, this is what some of us would have done. You go tell Nicodemus, if he wants to meet with me, 12 noon tomorrow in town square. Forget this mess of meeting at night in secret. Is that what he did? The most, in my opinion, the most well-known single verse in all of the Bible was spoken to one man in secret. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son was not spoken to a multitude one day. It was spoken to one man in the secrecy of night because he was curious about Jesus but didn't want anybody to know it. The second time Nicodemus is mentioned is when there's some debate and discussion going on about Jesus. And he says amongst the Pharisees and all the religious elite, he says, you know what, I I think we have a custom we don't judge things without, you know, a certain process. He didn't stand up that day and defend Jesus. He didn't stand up that day and say, hey, I'm, I'm a believer and a follower. All he did was just, he kind of let a little something slip. And the third time he's mentioned is after the death of Jesus, when they're going to take care of the body of Jesus. And finally, at that point, Nicodemus has reached the point he believes and he doesn't care if it costs him or what it costs him. That was a gradual progression. Of course, in this case, I guess Jesus was playing two roles. <laughs> he was the one to get Nicodemus to, but he was also preparing the way for Nicodemus to get to him. If we're not careful, we put obstacles and stumbling blocks in the way because we got to win. We got to win you. I got to win you. If you're sitting right here, you get put on the spot when you sit right here, but I, I, I remember hearing through the, I've already referenced it once, but part of your process here in the last year is the fact that some people were patient and weren't, you got to do this right now. If you don't, you just keep preparing the way. You keep preparing the way, and eventually the Messiah's coming. You'll keep moving the obstacles out of the way. You'll, you'll, you'll keep making the crooked places straight. If you'll, you'll be leveling some things out. The Messiah's going to come. If you'll prepare the way, He will come. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 8, verse number 9. But take heed, lest by any means... And I know there's a whole lot of other stuff going on here in this passage, but I think there's a, there's a principle we can pull from it. But take heed lest by any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. For if any man see thee 
which has knowledge sit at meat in the idol's temple, shall not the conscience of him, conscience of him who is, which is weak be emboldened to eat those things which are offered to idols? And through thy knowledge shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died. But when you sin so against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. When you become a stumbling block, you sin against Christ. And I'm going to say it again. I realize that a bit of the context that I've sort of honed in on here has to do with unsaved people, but it's just as much between us. You want to know in some ways, I think, Brother Isaac, we could say the essence of oikos is preparing the way of the Lord. It's preparing a way for God to be personally involved in people's lives. Preparing the way. Preparing the way. That doesn't mean, obviously, I mean, you read John. John wasn't always the nicest person. I'm not talking about tonight not speaking the truth. Although the scripture says, if I'm not mistaken, we're supposed to speak the truth in love. We're not supposed to speak the truth as a weapon. We're not supposed to speak the truth as a club to beat somebody over the head. Speak the truth in love. Because we are preparing the way of the Lord. I'll tell you the other category I think this is extremely critical for. That's for the prodigals. Because in some ways, the prodigals are trying to navigate a more crooked path than the sinner did the first time. And it's our responsibility to give a straight path. This isn't the same straight path in the context of the straight and narrow. In fact, I'll show you in a few minutes... In a little, from a little bit different perspective, it, this isn't about narrow and confining as far as preparing the way, providing the way for people to get to Jesus. He says if you, you become a stumbling block to somebody else, you become an obstacle in their way of getting to Jesus, you sin against God. In, in the Old Testament, Numbers chapter 35, there's something very interesting that God established with the children of Israel, and no doubt it's typology as well. Verse number 10, Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, When you be, over, when you be come over Jordan in the land of Canaan, then you shall appoint you cities to be cities of of refuge. Somebody say cities of refuge. That the slayer may flee there, which killeth any person at unawares. And they shall be unto you cities for refuge from the avenger. That the manslayer die not until he stand before the congregation in judgment. 
And of these cities which you shall give six cities shall you have for refuge. You shall give three cities on this side Jordan, and three cities shall you give in the land of Canaan, which shall be cities of refuge. These six cities shall be a refuge for both the children of Israel and for the stranger. There will be a refuge for the children of Israel, the church, and for the stranger, that's the sinner. And for the sojourner among them, that every one that killeth any person unawares may flee thither. There were these cities that were established to be a refuge that if you unintentionally killed someone, you got to this safe place. There was a process you had to go through once you got there to determine if you stayed and whatever. But there were these cities of refuge that if you could get to that city, you were now protected. Listen to what the word of the Lord says in Deuteronomy chapter 19, verse number 2. Thou shalt separate three cities for thee in the midst of thy land, and which the Lord thy God giveth thee to possess it. Thou shalt prepare thee a way, and divide the coasts of thy land, which the Lord thy God giveth thee to inherit into three parts, that every slayer may flee thither. Thou shalt prepare thee a way. I'm going to I'm establishing these cities of refuge but I am expecting you to prepare a way. I want you to make a way for those that need the city of refuge to get to the place of refuge. Strangers and children of Israel. This is not a trick question. So I hopefully you'll help me. Anybody ever been going through some stuff that the thought or the feeling you had was, man, if I can just get to church. If I can just get to church. If I can just get there and get in. Somebody begins to, I may not be the one worshiping at first, but if I can just get there. If I can just get to that place of refuge. If I can just get into that atmosphere, as I've said Numerous times throughout my preaching, Psalm 73, a psalm that every child of God needs to be familiar with. Because the psalmist said, I I got to looking at the prosperity of the wicked. I, I got to looking at how good things were for the unbelievers. And I got to looking at how rough things were for me until... Until I got into the sanctuary. I know he wasn't talking about a physical church building. I get that. But I think there's a principle there. When I got into the place of worship, when I got into the presence of God, I began to receive some... There's a city of refuge. Some of you are in environments, you're in work settings. Some of you that are going to school, whether you're still in high school or down or, or college, and you are bombarded consciously or subconsciously by all of the mess that's going on in our world. But you can, you can get into an atmosphere like this, and, and, it's, and it's one of the few places you can just kind of take your guard down. 
You're not having to be on watch for what's trying to come against you. It's a place of refuge. He said, I want you to prepare the way. Listen to what a couple of commentaries say about this idea of preparing the way. Adam Clark says this, The Jews inform us that the roads to these cities of refuge were made very broad. 32 cubits. I believe a cubit is similar to a yard. Roughly similar to a yard, so that's 32 32 yards, 3 feet to a yard. What's that? 90-something feet, right? I didn't say a yard was a cubit. Don't go telling people pastors in false doctrine. That's, that's, broad, that's probably about as wide as this sanctuary. He, he didn't say make them a little path. He didn't say prepare a way for them to get to the place of refuge. That, that's my sister, I, just so you all know, you have an advocate for the width of the aisles. The rows, these are the rows. Sister Angie is always on you. You need to sit there one time and see what it's like to try to worship with the seat right there in front of you and no room. This isn't the way. I know that straight and narrow is the way. I got a feeling, I feel like some of you are arguing, you're debating with me. If you're debating, you're missing the message. I'm not talking about the plan of salvation right now. I'm talking about our job of getting them to Jesus. Yeah, you got to be born again of the water and all that stuff. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about let's not make it any more difficult for them to get to Jesus. He said, I want it to be a broad. I mean, you can drive a couple of cars side by side through the width of, based on the width of this sanctuary. Why? So that there should be no impediments in the way and we're constantly kept in good repair. Barnes Notes says this, It was the duty of the Senate to repair the roads that led to the cities of refuge annually and remove every obstruction. No hillock, basically a hill, was left. No river over which there was not a bridge. And the road was at least 32 cubits broad at crossroads where there was a point of having to figure out which way to go. There were posts bearing the words refuge. Refuge to guide the fugitive in his flight. It seems as if in Isaiah 40 and 3 the imagery were borrowed from the preparation of the ways of the cities of refuge. He's saying what is said about uh, uh, what is said about John the Baptist preparing the way of the Lord it's as if that terminology is being borrowed from the terminology of preparing a way for people to get to a city of refuge make it easy to get there I'm not talking about this again. I'm not talking about this easy believism and you don't have to change and all. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about our attitudes. Talking about our Phariseeism. I've taught it and I'll keep saying it. 
one of our one of the the negatives we got to watch out for is apostolics is out of anybody I know we've got that we're we're the most prone to being Pharisees because I there's very few other Christian groups that I know of that are of the same as we beliefs as we are when it comes to our outward appearance and how that affects our lifestyle and if we're not careful we can become Pharisees getting all that right but dead men's bones on the inside we're preparing the way of the Lord by the way you handle yourself on your job every day You're preparing the way of the Lord, the way you conduct your business. You're preparing the way of the Lord by the way you treat the server at the restaurant. I, 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 I think I heard this. I think it was through my brother a while back. He had shared it, but there was a survey done, whatever, of, of, of servers at restaurants. And a bunch of them shared how that they asked for Sundays off. Of course, what's your initial thought of that? Oh, wow, you're asking for Sunday off because you want to go to church. No, that wasn't the reason. They said they asked for Sundays off because Sunday was the worst day of the week to work because all the Christians came in from the churches and they were rude, they didn't tip. I'm preparing the way of the Lord. I don't do this just because I'm, I, I'm, I'm not going to tell you it probably doesn't weigh on me a little bit more. But I don't, this is, I don't do this just because I'm a past, the pastor. But I'm constantly mindful when I'm out engaging in activity in the public. When I'm dealing with, I, I, I was picking up a prescription the other night for my wife. And there was one, it was at Safeway in Arnold. There was one lady working at that time. It was around 5, 30, 6 o'clock. It wasn't that late. And, I mean, there were people lined up. She was having to give COVID shots to somebody in the back, filling prescriptions and all this stuff. And the line is lining up. And people huffing and puffing. Finally, the prescription for my wife had been called in, but it wasn't filled yet. So she's in the middle of trying to give people their prescriptions, filling my wife's prescriptions. and I finally got my turn, and I, just, I said, ma'am, I think you're doing a great job. You're juggling. Well, I don't feel like I am. Well, I think you are. I don't want that lady, by faith, maybe one day she'll walk through these doors and go, I recognize that guy. That's the jerk. I was having that bad day, and he was huffing and puffing because I wasn't fast enough, or, or, or that's the guy that got up from the table and left me a dollar tip. See, we're good about preparing the way of the Lord in our prayer closets. God, go touch them. God, go. We're not always as good about preparing the way of the Lord when it comes to our physical interactions on a daily basis. Make it broad, make it wide. Make it easy for them to get there. Lastly, Charles Spurgeon says, With regards to the roads to the city of refuge, we are told that they were strictly preserved 
Every river was bridged and every obstruction removed so that the man who fled might find an easy passage into the city. Once a year, the elders went along the roads and saw to their order so that nothing might impede the flight of anyone and cause him through, a delay, cause him through delay to be overtaken and slain. How graciously do the promises of the gospel remove stumbling blocks from the way. Wherever there, wherever there were by roads and turnings, there were fixed up hand posts with the inscription upon them to the city of refuge. If we ever lived in a day and time when people need somebody to prepare the way of the Lord so that the Lord can get to them and they can get to Him, it's today. The world we're in today, I know people have always needed Jesus throughout all of time. <laughs> Am I moving obstacles out of the way so that people can get to Jesus? Or am I creating obstacles for people that are trying to get to Jesus? Again, let's not just go with the lost and the sinners. I walk into the sanctuary and I got brothers and sisters here. Am, am I a way preparer for them? Or am I an obstacle for them? Have my interactions with them helped to prepare the way of the Lord? Or have my interactions with them made the road even more crooked? Have I made the hills and the valleys even more drastic? What an amazing privilege that every one of us have been given to have the opportunity to help prepare the way of the Lord for God to show up for the anointed one, the Messiah, to step in to somebody's life. Read in the book of Acts a couple of different places. The apostles, born-again believers, encounter some people that had a level of faith and belief. But they hadn't done everything the apostles had done. They hadn't been baptized in Jesus' name and all that yet. If you haven't read it, you need to go read it sometime for yourself. Read the response. Read the reaction towards those people. You know what they did? They made a broad way. They didn't compromise the truth. They didn't change the doctrine. But they could have easily run those people off. One place it says, 
they showed them the way of the Lord more perfectly. I believe with all of my heart, I realize it's not necessarily in the words that are spoken there, but it just the, the, the sense of that passage to me, you just get the feeling they didn't show them the way of the Lord more perfectly. It was a loving, compassionate, sincere desire. Hey, there's a Messiah. There's one coming after me that's greater than I am. There's one that's coming after me that can do some stuff way better than I can do. If I can just somehow, if I can just get you to him. Some of you have heard this, you know this, you know, we, there are those that can, nobody here on staff, but there are those that are, you know, licensed counselors, but we're not licensed counselors, and it's really in our best interest to never say we counsel from a legal standpoint. So when we do that thing that we're not allowed to do because we're not licensed to do it, the bottom line is, The desire is not what kind of nuggets of wisdom can I come up with to share with you. It may not be done all the time in this deeply moving, spiritual, powerful way, but I can promise you my goal, my desire is I got to get you to Jesus. I don't need to get you to me. I don't need you to get you to my wisdom and my knowledge. I don't need to get you to my experience. If I use my experience to help get you to him, that's fine. If, if I use my story, my testimony to help get you to him, but I got to just prepare the way for you to get to him. Huh. The old song says, To be like Jesus, to be like Jesus. On earth I long to be like Jesus. Do you know how awesome it would be if we could all really just be like Jesus? Lord, we caught this woman. We caught her in the very act of adultery. Not hearsay. There are so many unanswered questions about that story. One of them being, maybe somebody knows this, I would love to hear it if you have the answer, but one of the questions, you don't commit adultery by yourself. Takes two. They only brought her. Hmm. I guess somebody may have an answer. I'd love to hear it. I don't know what it is. And the one, this is so amazing to me, she is brought to the one who is manifested in the flesh that said, thou shalt not commit adultery. (laughs) She is standing before the word made flesh. And the Word made flesh ends up saying, 
neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Well, I guess he just decided in that moment adultery was okay. No, he knew. If I can just get you to me, I got you to grace. If I can just get you to the me, I can, I, I can get you to mercy. And, you know, I, I can execute judgment and just, you know, let them go ahead and stone you right now and be done with it. Or I can prepare the way. Bottom line is the only reason any of us are here is because someone, somebody else helped prepare the way. And you and I have a responsibility on a daily basis, whether it's fellow believers or whether it's those that don't know Jesus or those that have known Jesus and have wandered away to find out how can I prepare the way? How can I, how can I help straighten out some crooked places? How can I help level out some uneven places so that you can easily get to Jesus. Father, I thank you tonight that I've had the amazing privilege, absolutely beyond anything I could ever deserve or be worthy of, to to be able to get to you. There are those that have helped prepare the way that I could get to you. I pray tonight, God, that upon every person that's a part of this congregation, that in all areas, Lord, I know a lot of times we focus, rightfully so, we focus on the lost and reaching the lost. We've got just as much responsibility with how we treat our brothers and sisters as we do with reaching the lost. And so, God, I pray that I pray that there would be a fresh revelation and also a fresh weight of responsibility that would settle upon every one of us, that we have the the privilege and the responsibility of being a part of preparing the way, preparing the way for people to get to you and preparing the way for you to get to people. I pray, God, that you would help us as a congregation, that we would never compromise truth, that we would never compromise the doctrines that we believe are based upon your word. But God, I pray that as we hold on to those things, at at the same time, we go about in every way that's possible, every way that is in alignment with your word of of preparing the way, of preparing a wide way for people to get to you. I know that straight and narrow is the way we've got to walk. I know that's the path to heaven, but to get to the start of that path, help us to prepare the way in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you would touch each one of us and renew each within each one of us a right attitude, a right spirit. Create in us a clean heart. Renew in us a right spirit. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Look forward to seeing you this weekend.
In Jesus' name.